I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Well, hi, Whitney. How are you doing today? Hello, Sandy. Thanks for inviting me on to your podcast. It's an honor and a privilege to be on here. Well, I would invite you. You've, For my listeners, I'd like you to uh, know that we're speaking to Whitney Rencounter. I've known Whitney for a long time. He was actually kind of a young man when we got acquainted. and We got acquainted through Black Hills University. Do you want to kind of share with with our listeners what all happened? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sandy, I, my name is once again Whitney Rencounter II. I come from the Crow Creek Sioux Tribe. Uh, we're known as the Hunkpati Dakota Nation. And I went to Black Hill State University once upon a time. And uh, Sandy and I were uh, presenting, uh, you know, with the American Indian Studies Department. Uh, they had a, uh, Every year they have a scholarship gala that they fundraise for scholarships for the Native American students. And Sandy and I and, and her husband had to happen to be there on the same night uh, presenting and helping with the fundraiser. So, uh, and ever since then, I've uh, been very happy and excited to be part of, you know, the, to see the work that sh- that uh, Sandy's been doing throughout the Black Hills and her great artwork and uh, the inspiration. So I'm very happy and excited to be on today. Well, you're one of the successful stories and young men that, well, gr- you grew up on the Crow Creek Reservation, and and how was that growing up there? Yeah, so growing up on a reservation, you know, I think uh, one of the things for myself, and and I'm sure many others, you grow up and you really don't know uh, why we are in the position the way we are uh, in terms of you see a lot of the struggles that our families, uh, that we go through. On the reservation, we don't really know why, uh, and, and even living on the reservation, it's just kind of the way you live and you don't really question why a lot of us struggle financially or a lot of us grow up in single parent homes, uh, a lot of uh, addictions and other things that really are not traditional to our people. But nonetheless, those are what are what we view and what the perspective that we have of today. And that was kind of my perspective living on a reservation. But uh, when I went to college That is when I really, truly learned uh, about my ancestors, about our ancestors, and that they were hard workers. And uh, 30 to 60 million buffalo that lived around the area, and we hunted and provided for our families. We were hard workers. We had a passion to live life, and uh, we lived in an abundancy of food, clothing, and shelter provided by the buffalo. And 
you know, to me, that really changed my life. And I think it had such a profound impact that it gave me uh, the passion to want to make a difference and the passion to uh, try to reconnect to the, the traditional values of our people. And I think growing up on the reservation, you don't learn these things. And so I think that that for myself is kind of a of a motivating factor for myself to keep going and to keep trying to build relationships, build bridges uh, so that hopefully the next generation will have it a little bit easier than we've had it. Well, um, can you tell me, for my listeners, I'd like to say that uh, Whitney is a co-founder of Social Distant Powwow. Now, a lot of pe- a lot of the Native uh, American people know what that is, but perhaps some other people don't know what it is. And can you tell us about it? Absolutely. So when the pandemic, the COVID-19 hit the world and really brought everything to a standstill, this is around the time of the year that a lot of our powwows, celebrations, our gatherings start up. And a lot of our artists, a lot of our dancers and singers and and folks that are involved in the traditional arts of our people uh, travel weekend to weekend uh, from powwow to powwow all across the United States and Canada. And a lot of our people make a living from selling their arts and crafts and and uh, other uh, goods. And and as vendors, it's it's a it's a way of life for a lot of people. But aside from that, as singers and dancers, they love going to all the celebrations. It's a it it once again it's a way to connect to our traditional songs, dances, arts. So it's a big part of our lives. And for myself, as a someone who sang and danced growing up and in more recent years, I became a powwow MC and an MC at a lot of events. This was a time that really brought a lot of that to a standstill. And there's a gentleman by the name of Dan Simons, myself, Whitney Rencounter, and uh, Stephanie Ebert were the three co-founders of the Social Distance Powwow. And what the Social Distance Powwow has become, it's a Facebook group page, and uh, it's a page that invites people to come on to share their songs, dances, arts, uh, you know, and it also calls to help our communities. A, a lot of people come on there and will keep people updated on what's happening with the efforts to help, for example, the Navajo Nation or any other tribe that uh, needs help during this time, during this pandemic. But it also helps us to find a positive outlet uh, from what's happening and what's taking place in the world today. And many of us that, uh, our artists, our singers, our dancers, we all know that when we're in that element and when we're sharing the gifts that Creator gave to us, it kind of puts us in a place of, uh, you know, of a healing. It puts us in a place of, of passion and, and having compassion for those around us and having the willingness to share that. So the Social Distance Powell Facebook group page started out just as a way to try to keep everybody connected during social distancing. And we had no idea that it was going to become what it was. And Oh, it's the, really you know, become, um, how many people have joined, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, early on, you know, there was a, you know, by the days, there was a few hundred people here and there and continued to grow. Uh, but eventually, we here we are, about 10 weeks later, we have about 190,000 people from across the world um, that have joined this page. And... Uh, we're just thrilled. We're, it's uh, it's uh, surpassed any of our uh, expectations and, and uh, 
you know, we're, we're just happy that people have a place to come and, and, and share and uh, connect and be inspired. And I think uh, that to us is so important at a time that we need it the most. You're right. You know, this element of the quarantine and of course I know, you know, things are lifted a bit now and, and uh, if you're young and healthy, you're not so, I guess, worried about it. But yeah, my husband and I are elder, elders, and we do have some health problems. And so we aren't going out. You know, we go out only if we have to, and and then we social distance. And and there becomes an element of loneliness when that mm. happens. And sure. Facebook and, you know, watching the your site, you know, the social distance powwow, it, I, it helps. It helps keep that connection going, and it makes me feel good. So mm-hmm. I think you Thank guys you. have really done something good. And I, I know also that you're involved in a, another thing, Rural America. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, uh, for the last 11 years, uh, I've been involved in a nonprofit organization in Rapid City, South Dakota called Rural America Initiatives. And I started out working for a youth mentoring program called the Ateapi Youth Mentoring Program, which now is uh, approaching 26 years in Rapid City. And uh, it's a it's a nonprofit youth organization that we work with students from fourth grade to 12th grade. Uh, we have mentors in most of the schools in Rapid City elementary, middle school, and high schools. And uh, we tutor the students. We help them uh, and encourage them. We provide transportation and food and and try to reteach them about the importance of, uh, you know, living life and in the right way in terms of finishing school. Uh, even even through your struggles, I think that's a, a lot of times people don't really understand and that if you grow up and your basic needs aren't being met, it's really difficult to focus and work hard on, um, you know, bettering your life in terms of going to school or, or doing something that will help you, you know. So I think, you know, we're blessed to have this Ateapi Youth Mentoring Program. We also have a uh, organization within our group uh, called the Head Start, Early Head Start Program. So we help families that transition from the reservation to the city. We provide health care. I mean, excuse me, not health care, child care. Uh, we provide uh, support to help them find jobs and just giving them that support system to find the uh, maybe they're looking for help and resources in the in the city. And so I think that this organization has been a blessing for a lot of us that work and a lot of us that maybe utilize the services as well. So it's a, it's a it's a way for us to continue to give back. Now that is a nonprofit, isn't it? Yes. And yes. And if somebody you know is listening and would like to you know, learn more about it? Do you have some sort of place they can go to on the internet? Yes, they would go to uh, www.ruralamericainitiatives.org. And you can also find us on Facebook, Rural America Initiatives. (laughs) For being a family man, I know you have four beautiful daughters, and <laughs> so you you kind of got all these women around you, don't you? <laughs> yes. But, um, and a beautiful wife and and Thank stuff, you. and uh, but you're a very busy man, and I 
I saw that you are now chairman of the South Dakota Humanities Council. And tell me a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, you know, a, wh- a little while back, you know, I think uh, through the through my work with the Ateapi with Rural America Initiatives in Rapid City, I've been, you know, meeting a lot of people in, in our communities and you know, I think I've reconnected with people that I've been to college with and reconnected with people that I've worked with uh, here and there, um, you know, through my experiences in life. And, you know, for me, I think uh, my experiences in being involved in the community uh, start from the Ateapi program. And I wanted to just kind of um, build a, a bridges so that our Ateapi students someday could have places of, of uh, leadership and they could hold places and of influence in our community and make a difference and really have a have the ability to provide a voice for our people. And I think that's really what motivated me to, to be involved in the community. So I would volunteer to help. You know, we um, there was many of us about 2014 that uh, we we loaded a bus. Uh, the, it was a, at the time. Um, the the mayor of Rapid City, the chief of police, the leader of the uh, regional health, uh, superintendent of schools, teachers, educators, business owners all across Rapid City. And then many of us uh, indigenous leaders as well, Lakota, Dakota leaders in our community. We got on a bus and we went through we went through the Black Hills. Dr. Craig Howe taught um, taught us taught everybody about the history of the Black Hills and the treaties and what happened historically and it, it kind of was the first time in my life that I was involved with such a diverse group where we talked about the history of our people and there was no arguing there was no negativity it was just acknowledgement and it was about building relationships and so from there I, I, I was invited to be on the board for Visit Rapid City and I was blessed to have that opportunity and became the chairman of the Visit Rapid City Board of Directors. And then I had a chance to be on the Club for Boys, and I'm still on the board, board of directors for the Club for Boys. And then the Rapid City Collective Impact, uh, Native Leadership that way. And then also the South Dakota Humanities Council. And then um, they eventually wanted me to become the chairman. And so see all of these areas and places I've, you know, as an individual that grew up on the reservation myself and have has grown up in poverty and growing up uh, in a single-parent home, um, I felt very invisible as a young man, I didn't really know where my voice was needed. I didn't, I didn't know if I had a voice. I didn't know if I would even, you know, if I had a place in this world, so to speak. And I used to ask those questions of myself growing up. But when I got an education and I went to college, that's when I realized that if you put hard work forth, if you put the efforts and energies and you try to live your life the right way, and then eventually you start to relearn the traditional values of our people. And I think all races of people, all group of people, really value integrity and doing things the right way, being honest. And I think for myself, you know, finding and realizing that I had to put, you know, uh, my life in a better direction as a, as a high school student. And when I went to college, I, you know, put away any drugs and alcohol and any partying. I, I made a commitment to my family at a young age and have been sober for 20 years now and married for almost 20 years now. And um, having four daughters really motivates me to continue to try to live this life and, and try to make life better for my children and kind of build the bridges just like I'm standing on the shoulders of you, Sandy, and your husband and and the many other people that uh, are, are opening doors uh, and building relationships in our in, uh, for our people. 
And I think that's what kind of keeps me going in this life. Well, you know, from my perspective, there's a lot of uh, young men, which <laughs> I consider you a young man. <laughs> it, uh, well, my my oldest is going to be 50, you know, and I still, I consider him a young man, too. <laughs> he probably doesn't appreciate that, but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, you know, honestly, you're a thinker, you know, and, and I've been able to visit with, with Billy Mills, and actually, I'm very fortunate. He's my first cousin, so he mm-hmm. ki- kind of had a he he wouldn't have turned me down on this, you know. <laughs> you in, yeah, you the inside track. Right, right, <laughs> and great. and he's you know he's quite a philosopher, and what I have noticed is a lot of the men I have visited with um, that have really worked hard and have achieved something is have got kind of the same mindset, and it's hasn't been easy for them. Uh, It's not like they were handed something. I think about some uh, people that are privileged that maybe grew up in a wealthy home and uh, with a mother and dad and everything was nice, you know, and Mm -hmm. and it's great if they're blessed that way. I have Mm -hmm. nothing against them. But it's it's the ones that um, have kind of had to overcome things. And I just really appreciate those men that are are able to do that. And you was talking about Dr. Greg Howell. I actually am friends with him and have been since the 90s. And mm. A friend of mine, her name's Iris. Uh, she's an artist, and she went to high school with him. And so <laughs> this is so dumb, but I'll admit it, you know, w- I had just started my art career, hadn't been in it for very long, and met Iris, and we decided to take a trip to Chicago. And so she drove, and we went in a van, and she knew she knew Craig. He was, at that time, curator uh, of the Newberry Library there in Chicago. And mm-hmm. so we visited with him and, and got acquainted, and I've known him ever since, and I think, you know, hopefully he will be on Lakota Link because he has so much to share, and he he is so knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. the um, history. I think that's, those things, it becomes like a big puzzle, and, and these pieces enter into your life, and then eventually it makes a picture, you know what I mean? And so we don't stop learning I'm still learning this tech thing with this podcast, believe me, has stretched me a long ways. My <laughs> my husband now is he he does the editing for me and I'm amazed that he can do that because it's very technical and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but so for you guys, you three to put together a uh, your social distancing powwow, you know, I, yeah. I know how hard that all is because then you have to depend on other people to do what they say they're going to do and this and that. And, but I, I kind of think you have the patience to handle all that sort of stuff. Thank you. So what do you think is, you know, one of the big impacts of the 
the virus, this situation that we've been in? Yeah, you know, I always, you know, my perspective, I think, uh, being able to overcome a lot of things and and uh, I learned through my mistakes and, and through my challenges that there are only certain amount of things that we can control in this world. And uh, a lot of that is our own effort. A lot of that is we all come across and, and are, are up against at times uh, some sort of, you know, adversity. And I, and I look at this COVID-19 as kind of a time of adversity for a lot of, a lot of people. And we're all going through this together. And I think a lot of times folks will get uh, frustrated uh, with what's happening. And, and some people are, are very cautious and smart and, and uh, handling it okay and well. But as you said, the loneliness hits. And that's part of being human. We, we're all on this earth for a reason together. And then uh, there are others that look at it. Uh, they really they like to go out and have a good time and do the things that they want. And so they look at it of, of you know, we're not going to keep us locked away. And maybe they're not as worried about the repercussions. Um, so we all that's one of the things that I've learned in this world is that we all have different perspectives. We all have different ways of dealing with it. But I think for me to keep the sanity and to try to keep balanced is understanding and realizing that we can't control it we can't control this virus you know and we can just only control our reactions we can only control our behaviors and our choices our decisions and i think when we when we realize those things that kind of puts us a little more at ease that um you know social distance and protect yourself and be mindful of others and you know do your best to to understand that this is only a temporary it's like the spanish flu and smallpox and all that era you know, we eventually came out of it. Um, but I think ultimately, if we learn those lessons and understand, practice some patience and uh, be mindful and understand that we can only control a certain amount of things in this lifetime, then that, that brings us to a better place. It gives us a understanding. And, and I think once we readjust and readapt, just like the social distance powwow, that was brought forth to say, okay, we could sit back and not do anything or we can do something about it. And that's really what the social distance powwow was born from is we we didn't want to just sit back and feel defeated. We wanted to do something where we can stay connected, but still practice social distancing. Well, you know, and, and, and that's so important, you know, with the singers and dancers and artists, any of those sorts of people that it they put themselves out there in the respect that when I paint a picture, you know, I'm putting a little bit of myself out there. And I try to make it happy <laughs> for the most part sure. and stuff. But dancing, oh, man, I love to dance. I never was a powwow dancer, but um, I I like, my husband and I like to dance. And I would say every day I listen to music, mm. uh, a lot of different kinds. So I won't even mention what I listen to. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you you yeah. probably wouldn't even know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> like Jerry Lee Lewis. And <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes me happy and stuff. Mm. And so I think this, so that's why that has been so successful and why people throughout the world, so to speak, have picked up on it and, and wanted to join. And, and that is something that um, is open, isn't it? The social. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, it is open. And then, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that for some reason or another, I mean, music, art, you know, and dancing, it connects all of us. It 
it goes across the board. Yeah, we might have a different taste in terms of music and art and so on and so forth. But for the most part, it's something that brings us together. And it's an expression. It's a it's something that helps us to feel good and, and to get through times and so on and so forth. But I think another thing about powwows, it it, it kind of seems like a lot of people are, are afraid or not comfortable to want to go to powwows. So I think the social distance powwow is a good way for them to get an introduction at what what singing and dancing is and that it's not bad. You know, it's a good thing and and uh, people enjoy it. And when you, uh, you know, uh, when you get exposed to it and when you're around it, you feel more comfortable, you know, because you can sense it. And you know that it's a good thing. But I think a lot of times people are afraid to take that first step and won't even go to a powwow because of they're not uh, comfortable or they're not used to it. So. I think that's a good thing about this page is it's giving people access um, just at the click, click of a finger to be able to watch and hear some of the singing and dancing. That's right. And, you know, when I had my gallery, I um, I did have a gallery in Hill City, South Dakota for 12 mm, years. Yeah, and sure. a lot of people stopped in there. And, and basically, the people that were probably the most interested were people from Europe and in you know the east coast or the west coast and probably because the local people knew about the culture mm-hmm. more yeah. and stuff but um they would ask me questions and of course I'm not an expert by any means <laughs> I'll be the first one to admit that uh now if it had been Jace DeCory your your professor she could have given yeah. really good answers but sure. um Anyway, they would ask me questions, and one of the questions was, "Oh, you mean you're really people are really allowed to go on to the reservations?" And I said, "Well, yes, you know." And and they, this was before, you know, the virus, and things sure. are things are a little different right now, temporarily, I believe. You know, we'll get back to a somewhat more of a normal way of life. We don't know when, but it'll happen. I'm sure I would say, well, you know, there's some great businesses on the reservation. They want tourism. One of the things right now is um, going to be the Red Cloud Art Show that I would mm-hmm. say people should go see. But they're not opening it up to the, right now. The, it's going to be virtual. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, which is good, you know, yeah. at, at least... I hadn't thought of it in that way, Whitney, but you're right. This this is opening up everything in a different way and people don't need to be nervous about it and and wonder about driving down there right now. You know, they can learn things more and and uh become educated on how they because actually, you know, the well, I had a guy came from Minneapolis and he did a DVD you know mm-hmm. and and it had to do with bat, Black Hills and Badlands and sure. he he talked to me and interviewed me and he wanted me to take him to the reservation and I said I'd be happy to if you put some real positive things there and show the beauty because mm. I said I've I've seen enough of the problems, the poverty, and and it's there, no doubt, and stuff. But but there's a lot of good, hardworking people, and there's a lot of beauty beauty on the reservation that I felt needed to be shown. Sure, 
Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes uh, folks are so often to paint uh, a negative light about the reservation in a lot of our homes. And I think uh, it is important to look at the good side of things because I think there's good and bad in every community. And, um, you know, it's important to share that balance. So I think it is about the choices that we make and decisions and how with the perspectives we have. Well, Whitney, I'm I'm so glad that you said yes, because I know what a busy man you are, that you took some time out of your day to visit with us. And, you know, with the um, podcast, I, I like to think about the different Lakota or Dakota values because they're mm. basically the same. I would say to to my listeners that Whitney has a couple of them. Well, more than two, but I'm going to just name two. And one <laughs> one is um, generosity. You know, he's generous with his time. And the other is, is respect. And Whitney, as, as long as I've known him, which has been quite a while, he's just such a respectful person to elders, to women, to children, to other people and so understanding and i i think that's probably why he's been blessed so much and and mm. i and i would just say thank you for being on with us and i hope so i hope we can talk again oh thank you sandy thank you for the kind words uh and of course you know of course i would take time for uh when you ask me to to help and be part of something and share i think it's a positive thing you're doing uh with this uh, podcast Lakota link and I'm excited for you. I'm really, really excited, uh, you know, that you're going to be able to uh, record and get some stories about people that are doing great things around our communities. And I think that's so important, including yourself, you know, and all the work that you've done. You and your husband have really uh, been positive people and really encouraging uh, to a lot of us. So we really, really appreciate that. And, And thank you for the opportunity for having me on. All right. Goodbye, Whitney. All right. Thank you, Sandy. Have a good day. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us, and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila. Thank you for joining us. Take